Amen. Boy, uh, there's two ways to respond to just some great time of singing like that. One is it's either it's like it's just time to go home and live it. Or uh, we get to take that and dive into God's word. So uh, both would be actually okay. But uh, I have a job. So let's uh, dive into God's word together. Thank you, Pastor Nick, for that. Um, Well, today we begin a new sermon series called Fall into the Psalms. Uh, Three questions you might have that I want to answer as we do that. Question number one is, why this series in the Psalms? Well, straight up with you, uh, because I need it, and I want it, and um, so come with me on this journey. Um, That's not always how sermon series uh, come together. Oftentimes, it's just kind of uh, where we're at as a church, kind of where we think some things are needed, uh, where God's word, we can camp in that. But uh, it's just time. It's time for me personally, and I think time for us coming off of a series of on the go, on the move. Um, let's be reminded that we're to uh, fall into the Lord in all of this. Um, question number two, what should be our mindset entering this series in the Psalms? Uh, well, just a couple words come to mind, uh, and they would be joyful delight and expectancy. Joyful delight and expectancy. I would really like for us just to be at a place where we're diving into the Psalms just like little kids. Like, we get to just dive into it and, and, and laugh in it and have fun in it together and just savor it. Like, just a special, I mean, just take the cool air in and, and the leaves and let's just, like, all face down, forward in, then roll in it, have a great time in it, and then just lay there and look up. And just lay there and enjoy the Lord. For who he is. Uh, That's what I'd like for it to be. Just a joyful delight and expectancy that in that the Lord is going to do a work in our lives. Both individually and together. Third question. Which Psalms are we going to dive into? Because if you've ever been to the book of Psalms, there's like a lot of them. And um, no, this is not going to go for 150 plus Sundays. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I am mainly going to be through October, November, spending most of our time in the first 11 chapters of uh, Psalms, first 11 Psalms. And a few Psalms, other Psalms will be spattered in there, but kind of view it this way. Uh, Kind of view it like we're going to kind of be, not the whole time, but we're going to be mainly up in the beginning parts of the Psalms and kind of for that to get a taste of it, uh, to get a feel for it. And there's a whole lot more for you to go and dive into. Okay, so we're not going to cover the Psalms. I don't want you to feel like we just walked away from the Psalms and got the whole thing. I actually want you to walk away from some of these Sundays going, I want some more. And, And so like there's like a whole bunch more after the first 11. All right, to dive into. Um, And that's what we're going to be doing. In October and November, we'll be diving into mainly these first 11. There'll be a couple times where we'll kind of be jumping out of that uh, in some other Psalms. But then in actually December, uh, I'm actually going to have us do uh, Christmas in the Psalms. And so for the month of December, we're going to continue in the Psalms. We'll mainly be in like Psalm uh, 96 through 100 in that area. And uh, so we're going to take this December as well, so through the rest of the year. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, today we're in Psalm chapter 1, 
And uh, if you haven't opened your Bibles there to that, uh, please go ahead and do that. It's page 448 if you need to use one of the Bibles in the seats there. Love having uh, God's people with God's Word open on their laps. So we're in Psalm 1. Um, Psalm 1 and 2, next Sunday I will be doing chapter 2, um, I think actually really set the tone for the whole book. I might say, get the information out. I'm calling this one, settle it. Uh, next Sunday is see it. Uh, so kind of faith settles it and faith sees it. Uh, um, these kind of get the players on the field. It gets the reality of life on the field when both of these are brought together. Uh, I think that in God's wisdom, these first two are tremendous two psalms to set the tone and the information for all the remainder of the psalms. So we're in Psalm 1 today, and Psalm 1 really essentially puts the three players, if you want to call it, on the field. Uh, The three players of life as we know it is uh, the redeemed, there is the unredeemed, and there is the one that redeems. Okay, there's the redeemed, the unredeemed, and the one that that redeems. And we're going to see all of those here in chapter 1. And it opens with, blessed is. What a cool way to start a really long book of the Bible. Uh, blessed is. Uh, that's just a great way to get it started. The redeemed person is blessed. How cool is that? Just know that starting out without knowing anything else, blessedness is a huge part of what's going on. And someone settles who the blessed person is, and it does that, as we'll see here in a little bit, by describing them and picturing them and contrasting them and then defining them. Uh, summarily, why is the blessed person blessed? Well, as we'll see here, uh, the blessed person is blessed because they are part of the congregation of the righteous. We'll see in the psalm. That's why the blessed person is blessed. The blessed person, the redeemed person is blessed because they are part of the congregation of the righteous. In fact, Davis says, Psalm 1 is saying to us, nothing is so crucial as you belonging to the congregation of the righteous. Well, let's dive in here, God, we ask for your help as we learn more about you. And we start here, verse 1 and 2, uh, the blessed person is first described. The blessed person is first described. Verse 1, uh, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the Lord's law, he meditates day and night. The redeemed person, blessed. Uh, the word in Hebrew is asher. Uh, we have an asher or two here in our church. Um, blessed. <laughs> blessed. By the way, it's plural in Hebrew. What does that mean? It's not just saying there's one blessing. It's talking about, this isn't even correct grammar because we don't have it, but that's okay because I don't care. Grammar is there to be abused. <laughs> so says my professor <laughs> um, by me. Um, it's actually saying, oh, the blessednesses. It's, it's talking about, oh, the happinesses. Is what's going. In fact, if you go to the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh, and you take a look at the Psalms, it says happy is. And that's the idea behind this. Happinesses, blessednesses, fortunatenesses. I mean, it starts with that kind of a feel out of it. But the question is about what? Blessedness is about what? About an easy life. Blessedness is because you'll have a comfy life. 
Is it because uh, blessedness is because the redeemed person is healthy and wealthy? Is it because there's no problems or conflicts in life or because this is your best life now? Um, We're going to see in a little bit. But oh, the blessedness is because if you know Christ as your Savior, you are in the congregation of the righteous. And whatever comes my way, you cannot take that away. Oh, the blessednesses. What a wonderful way to start the book of Psalms. So what is it? Well, I just told you, but in the text, it actually doesn't answer it right away. It's really cool in that it's kind of like blessed is, but then it doesn't tell you what the blessednesses is. It actually starts here by telling you about the one, the man, the, the, the woman who is blessed. Listen, it describes them. Here's what it says. It says, number one, that uh, they, are, they do not get their thinking. They do not get their counsel from the wicked. Do you see it there? Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. It's talking about this idea that they're thinking, that they're life planning, that they're outlook, that the core of what they secure themselves into is not generated by, is not sustained by that of the wicked. Now the term wicked there sounds like that's got to be like really, really bad people. But in biblical perspective, you could take a look down at the next one. The wicked is the same as sinners. Sinners are the same as scoffers. They're all one and the same. It's the unredeemed person. It's a person who doesn't really give a rip. Let's just call it this. It's the way our world runs. The blessed person is someone who their thinking is not running down the same idea, down the same courses as the rest of our world. Their thinking, their counsel does not come from the world. Their fundamental allegiance does not walk right alongside the counsel of that which is wrong. And then the next statement, nor stands in the way of sinners. It's not that they get in the way of sinners. It's not saying that. It's that they don't, do not get their direction from. They do not get their way from. Their actions, their practices, their behaviors, their, their ways are not like the sinners. Are not like unredeemed. Their fundamental way, their direction is not the world's way. It's not the world's direction. It's not that. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. They do not also get their company from there. They do not settle there with scoffers. By the way, Proverbs 3.34 tells us that scoffers are those who are far from repenting from the Lord. And you don't sit there with them. Listen, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And this in no way is saying that we do not partake in being light in a dark place. It's saying, understand, we don't live like dark. We live like light. Uh, That's what it's talking about here. Do not sit there. By the way, might I note here, and there's discussion about it, and I don't know how how firm of a point can be made, but I'll just mention it. It goes from walking to standing to sitting. You know, and there's this way in life where that kind of becomes the reality. We, we kind of walk along 
And then we stand along. And then we sit among. And the blessed one, that's not their story. That is not the norm for them. It is not saying that the blessed one is does not struggle at times with thinking like the world or behaving like the world or or, or getting their direction from the world. But that is not their normal course. That is not who they are. It's not so much about not doing, it's more about not being that. Know this, the redeemed man, the redeemed woman, walks, stands, and sits differently from our world. Are you different from? People say I'm different. <laughs> awesome. The blessed person is countercultural. They're set apart. Again, it's not saying go live off in some far, far place away from everything. No, no, no. It's talking about, listen, as we live among, we do not live as. We live differently. The redeemed person is not just someone that's prayed a prayer. The redeemed person is someone that has set their heart on the Lord and that then shows in their life. They're different. And they're different ultimately because they're part of the congregation of the righteous. We're not to be lured into a lifestyle that is like the world. But instead we are actually in the world living the light for the world. Look at verse 2. We started with the negative side of it. That they don't do that. And they don't do that. And they don't do that. But what do they do? This is so cool. Verse 2. But his delight. Her delight. Is in the law of the Lord. In the Torah. Of the Lord. Is the word. And on the Lord's Torah. He she Meditates. Day and night. Now, we, whenever we hear the English word meditate, we just, we just see a person with their legs crossed and their hands on their knees and they're like going, um, in this emptiness cavity of non-thought. That's not meditating at all, as Scripture talks about. Meditating is contentful. It is full of content. It is not trying to get nowhere and to get to emptiness It is actually filled with content, and it is filled with the content of recalling the Torah. What is the Torah? Well, commonly we view it as the first five books of the uh, Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's commonly what it is, but the word Torah really is referencing the idea of the teaching, the instruction, the doctrine of the Lord. Torah is not just some abstract thought. Torah is not this idea of just some my philosophy or some religious notion. It's not about what I believe. That is not what it's saying. It's not saying just believe what you want to believe. It's not saying that. It's saying be content rich in something specific. The Torah. The the Torah is the instruction of the Lord. Well, I believe. Honestly, it doesn't really matter what I believe. It doesn't really matter what you believe. It matters if we believe what Scripture says. 
We're getting our thinking and our eyes in line with this because this is the authority of God. This is the sufficient, supreme word of God. This is God. How do we know anything about our God? Answer from this. And this alone. This is the supreme word of God. And that's what the text is talking about. You understand? Listen, you don't walk this way. You don't stand this way. You don't sit this way. But, but let, me, let me make note of a couple words. They, they delight in one thing. They walk in one thing. They stand in one thing. And they sit in one thing. And it's the law of the Lord, the Torah of the Lord. They delight in it. They delight in it and they're preoccupied with it. I might say it that way. Delight in it. You know, I, I always, and I think we as people generally admire people who highly delight in something. Like that is so cool. When people just have this deep delight for something. But it's interesting when we talk, or I think sometimes when we think about this idea, or maybe it's just portrayed this way, that the person that delights in the word of God is, is like socially awkward, or an egghead, or a dork in theological terms, or kind of disconnected. Someone who delights in God's word is kind of odd. Or, or it might be someone who just absolutely delights in God's word. Maybe they're, they're viewed as legalistic or judgmental or arrogant. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's been uh, given off at times. And you have that perception. But, but that's not what scripture is talking about. It's talking about this idea that they delight in God's word. It's, it's not a checklist item in life. Uh, I did my Bible reading, check. That's not the idea of delighting. That's duty. Duty is not delighting. Delighting is like fun. Like kids laying in a pile of leaves and just rolling in it and throwing it up and laughing and smelling the scent of dying leaves. And just enjoying that and the coolness of the air and laughing and delighting and loving and just wanting to go back there again tomorrow. Honestly, sometimes we struggle to delight in God's word. Ever since I've started as a senior pastor, there's been two things I've wanted to do. I've wanted people to come and love God more. To, I mean, genuinely love him more with an excitement. And I've wanted people to love their Bible more. And just see it not as like this old, crusty thing, but it's this vibrant, live, just, I mean, the, the, the greatest truths and the greatest stories just to be able to love in and have a blast in and just, not duty. But absolute delight. And just real quickly for me, 
I think I grew up a good part of my life with the idea that God's word is a duty. And then frankly, as I began to understand how we got God's word, it's not just like that picture of like those dogs sitting around a pool table smoking and some guys agreed that this is the books of the Bible. It's not it. But when I came to understand how we got this thing and how amazing it is, And how 70% of it is narrative. I love story. And God has written it that way that we would see it in real life, in real story. And that's where it started turning for me, being grown up to have the checklist of how often this week did I have my quiet time and seeing God as one that I have a duty to rather than I get to delight in him and his word. And maybe you're in the duty place with God's word. I just want to call you to begin thinking differently. Just starting from the place of friends. God is here. And it is awesome. Play in it. Delight in it. Savor in it. And when a person delights in, they become preoccupied with. You see in the text, God's Torah, he meditates day and night. Again, this isn't off over in the corner. I'm to sit in this period of time where it's like a time out. Where I'm to sit with my legs folded and meditate in a humming, contentless thing. No, 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 that's not at all what it's talking about. Meditating is the idea that, 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 that I am so absorbed in. I'm, in fact, let's take it from what was said before, the idea. Their thinking is preoccupied with God's word. It is my greatest counselor. As I'm moving ahead in life, where's my greatest counselor? And what what I'm doing right now in this day, in this moment, in this time, what does God have to say about that? And bringing scripture back, and if you're like, but I don't know of scripture, much scripture to do that, then it's time to dive in. And I say that delightfully. It's time to learn that. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't feel uh, judged by that. If it's like, if it's like, I don't know this, well, then it's time. Jump in the leaves. And it's this meditating of contentful. As I'm going through life, I'm thinking it. As I'm going through life, it is my direction. It is my greatest companion. As I'm going through life, it is my company. Do not sit at the seat of scoffers. I sit at the seat of God's Torah. I do not stand in the way of sinners. I do not stand along with. I stand with this. I do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I walk in the counsel of God's truth. So, Doug, are you saying that God's word has things to say about what's going on with my family life, with my personal life? Absolutely. Really? Totally. Are you saying that it has some things to say about my marriage or my dating or my my, my, my parenting or with my parents? It so does. Listen to Psalm 119. Just a number of statements out of the longest chapter in God's word. Here's a few of them. I've stored up your word in my heart. 
I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Here's one. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things about your law. Maybe that's where you're at. Teach me your statutes, Lord. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. I cling to them. I will lift my hands to your commands, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Your promises, they give me life. Someone 19 says, your statutes have been my songs. It says, I hope in your word. It says, oh, how I love your law, your Torah. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And the last one, I love your commandments above gold. Wow. Wow. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, her delight is in the Law of the Lord, and on God's law, he meditates day and night. Pastor Doug, what does that person look like? I'm so glad you asked, because it just happens to be that the next point is the blessed person is pictured in the text. Look at verse 3. He, she, is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does and all she does, they prosper. Well, let's work this one for a little bit. Blesses like a tree. By the way, not any tree, a specific tree. It's a planted tree that's planted in a specific location. Do you notice that? It's just not any tree planted anywhere, it's a tree that is planted by streams of water. In scripture, God's word is talked about as water. Think of it, a tree planted by water. You know, that terminology is about everything that's going on underground, not above ground. See, what's happening above ground is generated by what's happening underground. It's the idea of this is a tree that's planted by water where it has roots And its roots are just like continuing to grow out and deepen in and work its way. And what are those roots doing? Those roots are sucking up the streams of water. It's planted there. And it's drawing in that life. By the way, trees don't grow very fast, do they? In fact, the trees that grow really, really fast, oftentimes when storms hit, are the trees that are turned over really quick. Trees grow slowly. Do you feel like you're growing in the Lord slowly sometimes? Hey, might I just mention, that's kind of what we saw in 1 Thessalonians, walking in and, and hear a tree rooted in. 
but it's a blessed tree. A blessed tree is a planted tree by a specific location, by the streams of water. Notice that also there's something about this tree that is unique. It yields fruit, and it yields fruit in its season. Man, there's a lot you can be thinking about with that. Tree doesn't yield fruit all the time. Our tomato plants right now are kind of on the out. But man, did they crank it out for a couple months. By the way, I didn't even think of this. I think part of the reason is because this year, those things get so blasted dry in the ground, and I actually have a little from old, this is not in my notes, and I have from the garden this little dripping thing. So every day for about an hour, water drips at the roots. I've had the best tomato plants ever. That's a cool illustration. I just, sorry. (laughs) It's feeding on. It's in a particular place by the streams of water. By the way, fruit. The tree does not eat its fruit. What is fruit for? Fruit is for others. I've never seen a tree. I've never seen corn, soybeans. We get that from Indiana. I've never seen a corn stalk eat its corn to grow healthier. The fruit is not about the tree. The fruit is an outgrowth of the tree for, huh, other living beings to enjoy and get life off of and to reproduce and multiply. Wow, you could go a long ways with that. By the way, it's a prospering tree. I want to ask you a question here in just a second, get you ready. And I actually want some feedback from you because we're just playing in the leaves, in the psalms. So, okay, so just don't freak out here. But let me ask this. Um, how does a tree prosper? Because I think when we read this as Americans and our culture that we have, we think of wealth and success as we term it. But this is a tree, And it's talking about how a tree prospers. How does a tree prosper? How does a tree prosper? What? What's that? It grows bigger. bigger. That's prospering. It's nurturing. Yeah. How else? Yeah, it produces other trees. What's that? Shade for others. And I'm sorry, Rick, I still... Provides for others, absolutely. How, any other thoughts? How does a tree prosper? It's what? Yeah. Ooh. Sometimes some leaves or some limbs get hacked off or blown off. What else? The roots are continuing to go. That's a prospering tree. So in times of season of dryness, the deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. It does what it's designed to do better. Yeah. Yeah, like, what a sad thing to go out and look at a tree that's been there and it's like struggling, struggling, struggling. And it's like, a tree's not supposed to be wimpy. Come on, don't be a, don't be a stick. Be a tree. Okay. You got the idea. This is delighting. What was it? Love it. Love it. Yeah. Beautiful trees. 
like that up on the screen. By the way, I want for you to know, I did not put a massive, massive, massive tree on the screen on purpose. Because I think there's kind of this idea that we have to be the massive tree. I don't see that in the text. It's like a tree. And I don't know, maybe you're a sapling in the Lord right now. Hey, praise the Lord for that. Deeper. Up. More. Not to show yourself awesome to the other trees, but to declare the glory of the one who created the tree. Delight in. Be preoccupied with. That's the picture. Not dull or dreary or dissatisfied. Oh, the happinesses. Oh, the blessednesses being that kind of a tree. And all of that is happening because of what is going on underground. Do not fool yourself. We so often want to, when we have problems above ground, we so often want to just go and get the insecticide or the easy solution to take care of what's happening above ground just to reorder the furniture on the Titanic. It's about going underground and seeing what's going on because what's happening above ground is coming out of what's happening underground. The blessed person is described, the blessed person is pictured, and the blessed person then here is contrasted. Verse 4. So verse 3 is he is like a tree. And then verse 4 The wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, those that are unredeemed are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. What a contrast. This beautiful, gorgeous, thriving tree planted by the streams of water, yielding fruit in its seasons. Its leaf does not wither in times of dryness. But then the Unredeemed, the wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, all synonyms of the same person. They're like chaff. Chaff. I don't know if we know so much. We're kind of an agricultural community somewhat. And, but, but chaff, by the way, might I say this? Chaff lives among the grain. I want for us to understand, I actually don't think Psalm 1 was written to the people of Israel about everyone outside of the people of Israel. I actually think Psalm 1 was written to the people of Israel having application to the people of Israel. And within the people of Israel, there are those like the tree and there are those like the chaff. And the chaff is all wrapped right around the grain of the wheat. Chaff exists only for a season. And then in the threshing floor... It's discarded. That's the picture. That's the reality. I mean, that's what happened. These people knew about that. This was their life. They, they understood exactly what was being communicated. They, they, the author knew exactly what, what, what he was trying to, to provide as an image. It's among the grain. It, it, it exists only for a season. And ultimately, it is worthless because it has no life and it gives no life. Chaff does not reproduce itself. Chaff. 
I mean, the picture is, you know, you have some wheat and, and they want the grain. And the, there's chaff around the grain. It's all one. It's actually quite beautiful. In fact, I got these from the florist across the road. I mean, together even, they're a beautiful thing. But, but the imagery of it is, is that there's a, we'll see in the text here in just a second, there, there's a threshing floor that comes. And, and there's a time when all of a sudden, in all of it, what, what takes place is... That is the grain that you keep. In, in, earlier in the, straight, in the illustration, that is the tree. That is the chaff. And in the day, they would take the weed in big stacks, and they literally would take, you know, like long pieces of wood, and boom, 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 kind of hit on it, beat it, and then they would take and they would throw it up into the air on a breezy day and all of the grain would fall down, all of the chaff would blow away and be gone. Do you see the picture? Matthew 7. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I know you. And the Lord said, I never knew you. But, but, but we did things. We were among. I never knew you. That's hardcore, isn't it? But I have to tell you, one of the things that I love about God's word is it, it, it's, it's, it's not politically correct. God's word is what God has to say. And I would ask that we would consider and hear it because we're called to be like the picture up on the screen and also within it is contrasted by a picture that I'm really sorry, Jim and and everybody, but I think you get, worship team, you get the picture, right? And then is defined, the blessed person is defined, verses 5 and 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Do do you see when to come times and the pressure is on and it's before the Lord and the holiness of the Lord puts pressure on the reality of who is who and what is what. It shows. And the unredeemed are not so. They will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. By the way, underline that. Because that's really the connection. Blessed is the one who is in the congregation of the righteous. That's what's being said here. That's where the blessedness is. Everything is moving towards that. And it's in the idea that, listen, there is a congregation of the righteous. There is an assembly of, there's a people of of the righteous that have been redeemed. And then the text goes on, verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. By the way, that knowing isn't so much an intellectual knowing. It's more of a providential engagement. 
It's more of a caring. No, the, the, the Lord knows the way the righteous. The Lord knows his. And the Lord knows who is not his. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Oh, the happinesses of being among the congregation of the righteous. By the way, this is not self-righteous. It's not saying that. Those that are made righteous through the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ who did for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And the righteousness of Christ is imputed, is placed on, not because you've earned it, but because because you've received the Ephesians to gift of God's mercy provided through the payment of Christ. You cannot earn your way into the congregation of the righteous. You repent in. You call out and receive. I am a sinner separated from the Lord because of my sin. I am in that position, condition from the beginning. And as many as who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Oh, the blessednesses of that. Take away my job, take away my career, take away my degree. But you cannot take that away. Take away my money, take away my house, take away my stuff. But oh, the fortunatenesses of knowing in the congregation of the righteous. You can take away my health. You can take away my legs or my hands or my head. But oh, the blessednesses of being in the congregation of God. That's why, even in dire hurt, in dire pain, even in utter confusion, that is why the person redeemed and the one who redeems can declare, oh, blessednesses. Amen? Amen. And that sets the tone for the Psalms. And I think it, part of this is, is it begins by asking the reader to settle this issue. To settle this issue. Let me ask you, loved one. Do you know that you know that you know that you are in the congregation of the righteous? Do you know? And if you do, I'm just telling you, there should right now be within you like a booyah. There should be a joy and a delight in you right now. 
And there should be a response in that. That it's like, oh my, more of being rooted in the streams of God's Torah. Less walking in the counsel of the wicked. Less standing in the way of sinners. Less sitting in the seat of scoffers. And more delighting in the law of God's word and preoccupied with that. That is the thing that I delight in. That is the thing that directs me. That is the thing that speaks into me. That is my greatest company. And I think everyone in this room who is in that place, who knows Christ as their Savior, is in that place. More in me, right? More of that. I just want to say this. If you are not sure, genuinely, if you're not sure, I am so glad you are here. We love you. This is not a who has and who hasn't, neener, neener. Out on that. This is, as we look at God's word, God's word talks about there is a blessedness that is beyond all blessednesses. And if you don't know for sure if you're in the congregation of the righteous, if there has not been a time where you have driven the stake in the ground and received Christ as your Savior, you start there. And in fact, here when I pray and then during closing song, if there's anyone that is like in that place where it's like, I I just don't know or I haven't and I want to, I want to plant myself by the streams of water. I'm tired of being planted out in the desert. God allows you to be replanted. And if there's anyone in this room that wants to do this, here's what's going to happen. When I go to pray, I'm going to ask some of our small group leaders, not our pastors, our small group leaders, everyone's equipped and ready to go at any time to be able to sit down with someone be able to share what God has to say about how we can know that we know that we know. And if, could I ask, if, not, not right yet, but when I pray, some small group leaders, some men, some women, some student ministry leaders, just some, some of you would just be at the back of the room. And then when we pray, if you have any questions, just like get up, go grab someone, go sit in the office area, sit in my office. I don't really care. Just sit somewhere. Because it's time to settle it. Because God loves you. And the, what he is saying in this, he is helping us to come to see that, oh, you want this. This is what you have been yearning for. If you have questions about it, maybe today is just one more step in your understanding. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you a trophy moment for me. I'm just not interested in any of that. We want to love you with God's word. When I pray and when we sing, if there's someone who could help you with that, just get up and go. And they would love, wouldn't you love to be able to sit with someone with questions like that? Wouldn't our church family? Totally would. Nothing is so crucial as you belonging to the congregation of the righteous. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, her delight is in the Torah of the Lord. And on God's Torah, he meditates day and night. Contentful. Recalling what God has done. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all he does, in all she does, they prosper. 
the contrast. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord cares about it. The Lord is providentially involved in the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Well, I'm going to pray. Maybe just a few small group leaders, if you could head to the back. God, thank you for the time and your word, Lord. You are so good. And Father, first off right now, I just ask, Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning who because of our time in your word is just being spurred on to that point of, I'm just not sure. I'm just, I, I, I want to be that tree planted by streams of water and I just have some questions or I, I just, I, I want to be planted. God, I would even just pray right now if there's anyone, even just one person, whether it's a student, whether it's an adult, whatever, God, that they would just feel free to be able to get up and just go and ask now during our songs. Because, God, this is a time to settle it. This is way too important to be enticed by all the squirrely things of our world that come and go. They are like chaff. God, well, we want to be the grain that lasts, the tree that grows. And as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Colossians 2 talks about how we know, we come to know him, and then we walk in him. God, it is not just about praying a prayer, it is about beginning a new planting, uprooted from where we were, replanted by the streams of water in the forest of that congregation. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here in this room that is not sure that they would, they would go and ask. Lord, for those that know Christ as their Savior, Father, I just pray, I simply pray today that we would just feel a delight as a result. Not an arrogance, but an absolute childlike, joy-filled delight and expectancy that you are the God who redeems. You are the one that holds. You are the one that seals. You are providentially working in our lives to strengthen us and grow us. And sometimes that is a pruning time. And even when the winds hit and the storms come and the heat lays itself on us, God, we are planted in that picture of a tree rooted there. Not in our own strength, but strength of being rooted in the truths of God's Torah. Oh God, I just would ask, would you help us to increase our delight for you and your word. So much to rejoice in. Oh, oh my, the blessednesses we have. In Christ's name.